Welcome to Sharpen, a series from the Alpha Psi chapter of Beta Upsilon Chi. Sharpen is a leadership development program designed to help grow and empower Christian men to become faithful leaders in their organizations, families, and workplaces. Let's get started. to our first session of Sharpen. We're really excited to be here and have this started. Uh, this week, we'll be talking about know thyself. Great leaders are secure in themselves and emotionally intelligent. Today, I am joined by our founding president, Logan Lovelace, and also our current treasurer, Ethan Worrell. Welcome, guys. Hey, hey. Good to be here. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here. All right. Well, we'll start with talking about this idea of self-identity and being self-secure. And so, uh, identity is something that is really heavily tied to meaning and purpose. And so, you know, if you were to ask someone, let's say I ask you, you know, who are you? You might first respond with giving me your name. You know, that's a pretty common answer. Uh, you might also tell me about your faith, um, maybe your family and your upbringing, even like political leanings and hobbies, that kind of thing. You would also probably get into eventually, if I kept probing, you'd get into telling me about your values and, and your goals and your mission in life. And so really zeroing in on what that is, um, what gets you out of bed, what drives you, um, that is something that effective leaders are really zeroed in on. And it's something that they've really nailed down and are really organizing their life in a way to accomplish that. And so this applies to us as leaders and as Christians. And, you know, a lot of times we say as Christians, oh, well, my identity is in Christ. You know, that that's my identity. That's who I am. Uh, and, you know, I don't think that's wrong. I, I would agree with that. But I would also add to that the fact that by saying your identity is in Christ does not nullify the fact that you are an individual with your own passions and interests. And so when we're all converging into uh, being conformed to the image of Christ, we're actually also being more of the person that we were made to be ourselves. And so we're kind of also diverging in that way. And so God has created all of us to become a specific person, and he's, he's knitted us by hand to be distinctly ourselves. And so part of identifying your own, uh, you know, your own personal identity is zeroing in on those things. And so college in particular is a really transformative time for this because it's kind of our first chance of being independent and stepping out on our own and learning who we are, who we aren't, where we want to go. And so really need to lean into these questions. Uh, but a lot of people just have nowhere to start and feel kind of lost. So I'd like to ask you guys, what, what would you say to someone who's maybe a college freshman stepping into college? and has never really thought about his identity or what that even means, like what would you tell him of a place to look or, or how to help shape that? Yeah, I would say like if you are a freshman committed and desiring to know more about yourself, you have a few great tools in just like the tangible world around you. I mean, one is the people in your life, the friends, the family, they know you better than you probably know yourself in a lot of ways. And it's like, it's a painful thing to ask people for like brutally honest feedback. Um, but that's something that I did in my life. And it was just like, look, spare nothing. I want to be the better version of me. And so like, if you see a path to that, like, let me know, because I will take that. It's not going to be easy. 
you have to be in a place where you can receive that before you ask people to give that to you. So the last thing you want to do is ask them for feedback and then get mad at them for being honest. Uh, but if you're like committed to that and you're committed to growing, like asking for that is super, super helpful. It gives you perspective of not only where you see yourself, but where other people see you. A lot of times we hear it said kind of perception is reality. And so how people are, are perceiving you is the reality in which you exist. Um, and so I would start there. Uh, I would expand that. I know we talk a lot in Christian circles about the Enneagram. I find it to be extremely helpful. Um, I don't think personality types are boxes we get fit into, but I think what the Enneagram does is it helps you understand some of your underlying motivations. Uh, and so if you find yourself in a place of, you know about yourself and and you know the things you do and you know the way people think about you, but you're just trying to figure out why, I think the Enneagram is a great tool to understand why do I do what I do? I understand I do it. How do I get to the bottom of it? What's the heart issue? What's the what's at the heart level of this? Um, and it gets that deeper understanding so that instead of using your heart level motivation in a negative way, you learn how to use it for positive and for good and for kingdom. Uh, so I would say those are kind of two great starting places uh, that you can do at any time, really. I've also found the Enneagram to be super valuable. Um, I think Logan really got at like the, the the purpose of it is to reveal motivations. It's not like a, a checklist of like behaviors or attributes. Um, a lot of those you will probably have in common with your type. Um, but honestly, just understanding like maybe I don't do the exact thing that might be a, a, a checklist, um, but I do similar things for related reasons. Uh, I think that was something that was really powerful for me to kind of understand um, myself um, some things that I would add to that are just spending time, like quiet time alone with yourself, being bored or taking on activities like journaling, um, I think are uh, really powerful ways that you can begin to understand yourself better. Um, thinking through um, your your emotions and the why behind those. I think so often we can say, I'm angry or I'm just having a bad day. But you don't really learn anything from that when you say like, man, like, why am I so like upset today? I'm like tense and on edge. Um, we begin to explore you know, the things that preceded that or that could be causing it. Um, that's when we begin to kind of learn like what kind of things, you know, upset us that we're maybe not aware of. Uh, and then of course, just, I would say prayer is another great one. Just talking to God and asking him to help you understand yourself better because there's no one that knows you better than God does. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times we just are so used to moving so fast and we're so hurried that we don't even take time to actually let ourselves slow down and reflect. So yeah, I think journaling for me, it's been a very inconsistent practice, but whenever I do it, I do find that it's helpful for sure. Uh, another model that I've come across, this is from Rick Warren. It's an acronym called SHAPE. And what it stands for is spiritual gifts, heart, ability, personality, and experiences. And so what this is, is uh, applying all of those things to yourself and identifying what those are, and then how all of that comes together to show you what your own purpose is and your own kind of identity is. Because you know, we're all given spiritual gifts and we all have things we're passionate about and that we have 
uh, abilities for. We all have unique personalities and our own experiences in life, whether uh, harmful or, or constructive, whatever it is, those all really form us and shape us, so to speak. And so uh, that's all laid out in a book by him, uh, Purpose Driven Life. And there's also other uh, workbooks over that that I found helpful. Uh, but yeah, a lot of this is just sitting down and taking the time to actually think about it, kind of like what you're saying, Ethan. I want to add to, um, on top of the the Enneagram, which gets a lot at like personality and like motivational drivers, there's uh, a lot of things that you can learn about yourself through more like behavior styles or like workplace uh, style type personality tests. Um, those are a little bit less about motivations and more about concerns or values like things that are important to you um and that's something that can also be very uh revealing about just how you conduct yourself in the world and uh opening yourself up to other perspectives yeah definitely i mean even just the point of like when you go and look at these different personality types or whatever it is there's different all, all kinds of different ones like being okay with whatever results are given to you and not trying to think that there's a right one, um, but actually leveraging your own personality for how can you use this best. So like I'm someone who's fairly introverted, meaning that I get pretty worn out by social interaction. And for a long time, that's always been like something I wish I could change about myself because I'd be like, man, I'd be so much more effective if I could handle more social interaction. But I've uh, recently tried to more lean into that and see like, how can I actually use this for a benefit and what are ways that I can kind of structure how I go about that for my own sake uh, to, to be most effective. So not um, being upset with your personality, but actually accepting it and loving yourself for it and then thinking about how you can use it best. Another way that's been really valuable for me to understand myself is just broadening my perspective, learning more about not just myself or my Enneagram or behavior style type, but learning more about other people and not even through those like methods necessarily, but just getting to know others, um, getting into deeper friendships and relationships with people can help you learn about how others see the world. Um, and that for me really, really broadened my perspective on the world. I had been really limited to the way that I thought. I thought, everybody thought and perceived the world. So I learned about a lot about myself when I saw that there's other approaches that people take. And the way that I think about the world is really like personal. It's my approach to the world. Um, and I think that a lot of that too comes from, from healthy conflict. Um, I have learned a ton about myself through a friendship with someone that is almost the exact opposite of me. Uh, and so that's in a lot of ways caused a lot of tension, especially when, like, again, I was younger and I thought like my way of seeing the world was right or how they saw the world. Um, and so that just leads to people conducting themselves in ways that like will create conflict. Uh, and so I'd really encourage, honestly, anyone that wants to learn more about themselves to try and learn more about others and then find people that are different from you um, that have you know different approaches to life than you because that's probably where I've learned the most about myself is from someone that was 
almost an opposite. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense for sure. Uh, uh, let me ask you guys, let's drill down a little bit more personally then. Like, can you think of a time maybe where you've put your own identity in something that was not Christ or, or not rooted in God and share a little bit about what came of that for yourself? I think um, an easy answer for me um, that I know I've struggled with and I think a lot of uh, college men and men in general will struggle with is relationships, girls. Um, it is easy, especially in the culture we grow up in, to think manliness is about yeah, just being in a relationship and, and all the, the lust that comes with that and the excitement. And um, there was a big part of my life where that's where I found validation. That's where at the end of the day, um, a relationship uh, with a girl was what gave me comfort is what made me feel good. It's what made me feel loved. Um, I mean, I could go to bed and have the best day ever where I got things done and I was affirmed and I felt the Lord moving and I spent time with friends and I, I had a lot to be proud of and excited for, but I'd lay down at the end of the night. And because I didn't have a girlfriend to share that with, I felt like the day was a waste. Um, and I realized just how deep rooted identity in, in relationships had gotten for me and that I was looking for that to be a lifeline, a source of energy. Um, I mean, the source of life for me. And I think, you know, what we all come to realize in our faith, even if, even if you're a Christian, sometimes it takes a while to recognize at your heart that there is only one life-giving source and that's Jesus. And if you're plugged into anything else trying to get life from it, it will run out. Um, and so if Jesus cannot, if you don't let Jesus be your, sustaining force then it will crumble and fall and sometimes that happens <laughs> very painfully mm. yeah thanks for sharing i think one of the big things for me that that i've looked for is affirmation you know through relationships like like logan said um definitely just being popular having a lot of friends feeling like other people value me was the way that i was seeking value and purpose in my life um but also affirmation through things like academics and like through sports um i started to take my faith more seriously when i had invested in all of those things and i felt like they ran out in uh in middle school like from elementary school to middle school um my my friend group got really rocked and i didn't have like a, a group of friends um, I was doing really well academically and had started playing for like one of the most competitive soccer teams in the area. Um, but I just felt super empty, like some things I was chasing or some things I was succeeding at. And it just, it, it, it felt like none of it was enough. Um, and so I think that ultimately when those things leave us empty, like that's where we have to stop and ask ourselves, like, what are we filling ourselves with? Um, what are we here for? Uh, and I think that that's a time in my life where God really spoke to me um, and challenged me to think about, um, you know, if I, if I do believe in God, then maybe we need to take this more seriously because the world isn't, isn't working out. Yeah, that's, that's good, Ethan. That reminds me... <laughs> And, you know, I'm just thinking, Isaac, you already asked that question earlier. What would we say to freshmen? And I'm just thinking back to myself, freshman year, thinking about affirmation. Um, 
and bear with me here. This isn't this isn't a, a brag fest. This is it's got a point. Uh, but my freshman year, I came into college first semester, and I was determined to rewrite the script of who I was. I felt stuck in a certain perceived personality in high school, and I just wanted to break out of that. And so I got here, and man, I like I went to everything. I went to I went to an accounting career fair on my first day on campus. Like I, I was just so determined to do everything I could, and. I joined a consulting group as a freshman. I was one of like two freshmen to be let in in the last like three years of it happening. They usually don't let in freshmen. I pledged a business fraternity, one of the better, most reputable ones on campus. Um, I was making tons of friends. I was doing well in classes. I ended up with a 4.0 GPA. And of course, uh, that was our kind of founding semester for Bucks that I was kind of leading through and being president through that time. And I got back over winter break and I looked at the rap sheet and I was like, man, I academically killed it, socially killed it. Spiritually, I got bucks and I'm plugged into a church and CSF student ministry and every box that I thought I could hit. I was like, man, nobody did that first semester better than me. I proved everybody wrong. Nobody did it better than me. And I was just incredibly empty with it. I mean, it, it, the identity that I thought I was going to find in that achievement and success was incredibly empty. And I couldn't have been in a, you know, if you drew up a place to be in a secular way like that, nothing could have beaten that, but I was empty and it it left me doubting so much more, left me hurting so much more, left me so much more insecure. And while I'm grateful for that, because that insecurity led me to ask the right questions, um, you know, it's hard. And so if I'm talking to freshmen, if I'm talking to underclassmen who just think it's just, oh, I just got to work on this one piece, this, my academics, I got to just get a leadership position. You know, people who think that they will feel more fulfilled in that, I'm just, it won't happen. Um, maybe for some people, it's a slower burn than what I, than what I experience. But eventually that does, that wick runs out and you realize that the accolades and the success really isn't going to fulfill you and you really aren't going to find identity in that. Logan, I like what you said about asking kind of the the bigger question mm-hmm. um, and that that drove you to ask the right questions. Um, I think one thing that we can all challenge ourselves to do, each other and you know any college freshmen that we run into in hypothetical scenarios, um, is to think, to, to, to challenge them to not just look like their short-term goals, but look at like their um, their broader like identity, their broader vision, um, and we'll be talking about that some in the in the next uh, sharpen session. So I'll save it, save that for then. No, that sounds good. Yeah, I mean, what one thing I'm hearing both of you guys get at, and I can definitely relate to everything that both of you said, is this idea of when we put our identity in anything that's not Christ, we just come up empty. Like it's just not worthwhile, and it's not going to fulfill us. And someone who is a great leader is someone who's like starting from a place of being full and is is operating from a place of love and validation and not for love and validation. Uh, and that's going to lead to you being a really healthy leader uh, and just a healthy person in general. So uh, kind of along those lines, though, let me ask you guys, like what are some traits when you're looking at other people that like immediately scream out to you either like, A, this is a person who's very secure in themselves or the opposite, like, wow, this is someone who's definitely not secure in themselves. The, the first one that jumps to mind is is confidence. Um, if someone seems confident in themselves to, to, to do a job or to lead a group, 
I feel a lot more comfortable like leaving them to do the job or to follow them. Um, but if someone seems like they're not sure of themselves, either their their capabilities or their value, or maybe they're not doubting themselves, maybe they're doubting themselves um, in a way that it's like, I don't think other people would trust me to do this, or I don't think other people, it would be a mistake for other people to rely on me. Um, a lack of confidence really makes me question. Yeah. What, what does that look like just like tangibly when you observe that? I think it's confidence is in the way that they carry themselves. Some of it's like body language, but I think more of it is the language that they use to talk about the obstacle or the project and also themselves. Um, I think a confident person has a can-do attitude. They're like, here's what I'm going to do or here's what we're going to do together. Whereas um, someone with without confidence I might present something in a way that really makes the obstacle seem insurmountable or um, might make jokes that are like self-degrading or show that they're, they're not sure of themselves. Um, and I think a, a confident person seems comfortable with the situation and really brings that can-do attitude. Yeah. So what I'm considering kind of some difference makers between someone who is very self-aware and someone who is not first thing I want to think about or the first thing I consider is who or what is at the center of how they're speaking. Um, so the, do they speak with it? Is it puffing themselves up? Are they speaking with anger, malice, or pride? Are there hints of passive aggression? You know, are there are these common things that we see a lot, but are they showing up in a way that is trying to elevate them in a situation and tear down others in a situation? Um, or are they talking from such a place of peace and calmness that their language isn't about me. It's not about what I can do. It's oftentimes about what God can do. It's about what you are seeing God do. Um, and it's about, you know, like, Oh, these are the things that I'm good at. These are the things I'm bad at. And it's not said with pride, but it's said with like adoration of what Christ has done and what we've been given. And so, yeah, that piece, who's at the center or what is at the center of how you're talking? What is the, the feeling you get from that message? And the second thing is, I, I, whenever I'm considering the character of someone else, I want to look at the people they surround themselves with. Um, so do they, when you look at the fruit of those relationships, are people empowered? Are they pushing other people to be the best they can be? Are they walking alongside of others in love and not judgment? Are they, yeah, showing up in other people's lives? Are Not only are they, you know, like, being kind is one thing and not saying mean things in our world, like not saying mean things can be a pretty low bar that people are acceptable with. But it, I think even more so, are they affirming? Do they see someone do something amazing and just call that out and just love on that? Do they appreciate that? Do they give that person honor? Because I think a person who isn't self-assured is afraid to give other people honor because they really want it. So if you see a person who just, you know, scripture tells us to outdo, outdo one, one another and giving each other honor, like, People who do that well are the people who I believe I can look at and say they know themselves well because they're comfortable and their masculinity is not threatened and who they are is not threatened. They are self-assured and peaceful. So I think out of that piece, it's just peaceful and outwardly affirming. Absolutely. Yeah, that's all really solid. I would agree with all of that. And 
the thing too is for someone we'll, we'll kind of talk about the second half of this now with emotional intelligence but for someone to even come from a place of emotional intelligence like self-awareness and, and social awareness you have to start by being just authentically yourself and have worked through all of that already so I really encourage anyone listening to take some time to just self-reflect, do the things that we were talking about, even pull up some of those personality tests. Uh, there's all kinds of different self-reflection worksheets and stuff that you can go through, but but just set aside some time uh, in community uh, and really think through these things because that's the very beginning of where this has to start, this, this journey of leadership. So, uh, but just on the idea of emotional intelligence, um, once you feel like you're kind of along the way there, then you're able to lean into this. So I'll, I'll give a definition because not everyone is familiar with this term. When we're talking about emotional intelligence, um, what this means is the ability to make healthy choices based on accurately identifying, understanding, and managing your own feelings and those of others. So that's what we mean. Um Daniel Goleman, uh, he has a, a four-part kind of model of this, like a, a, a matrix. And so you have self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and social management. So what we've been talking about is really more in those first two, primarily under self-awareness. And so these are things of being able to actually identify within yourself your emotional state. Uh, Ethan, you talked about this, like, why am I so anxious, you know, um, or, or like, why do I feel so angry? Uh, it also includes self-confidence, which we've been talking about. And then also recognizing how other people's actions and behaviors impact us and kind of what our own triggers are and uh, how others influence our own emotional state. So that's self-awareness. Self-management is now being able to actually regulate that for yourself. So let's say you identify I feel like I'm I'm angry over something or like I, I have something irritating me. Uh, it's being able to take the next step of dealing with that in a healthy way. So um, this gets into like your coping mechanisms. You know, if you're if you're used to whenever you feel bad emotions, just going to video games or uh, eating a lot of junk food or pornography or whatever it is, um, those are a lot of times negative coping mechanisms and. Uh, shifting that to a healthy, self-reflective, maybe it's journaling, maybe it's a prayer and spending time with God, or even just talking through it with someone. But um, so that's like the self-management piece, keeping those disruptive emotions kind of in check uh, and, and wrestling through it. Uh, it also has to do with uh, integrity. So acting in uh, congruence with your values, it's being able to handle change well, this is something that I can grow in. I'm, I'm very much a planner. And so um, 2020 has been quite the uh, growing experience in this area of uh, getting used to change. Uh, and then lastly, it's just like being able to pursue your goals and your mission, uh, even when you face setbacks and obstacles. So kind of that dogged pursuit of uh, what it is that you want to accomplish. So that's kind of the self side of it. And now we'll get into the more social side. This is uh, also a, a whole other area where we talk about uh, so social awareness um, really has to do with just being able to read a room well, uh, being able to pick up on subtle cues and, and body language. This is uh, something that's hard to teach because some people just have it in spades more than others. Um, but 
it also includes things like empathy, you know, caring about what others are going through and being able to listen well, hearing like what the other person is actually saying and reading between the lines. Uh, and even just being aware of things like uh, power structures. So understanding where your place is within an organization, uh, that kind of thing, kind of the office politics of an organization. So that's all the social awareness piece. And then the last is social management, also relationship management. And so this is simply uh, just getting along with other people well, uh, being able to interact with those of different personality types well, uh, handling conflict effectively, that's a big one. Uh, even just expressing your own ideas and preferences in a, a humble but but clear and assertive way. And then, uh, again, that empathy piece, so being able to incorporate uh, active listening and, and hearing another person, reflective listening. So these are all uh, really complicated things that are hard to teach. Um, I grew up with a pastor for a dad and a therapist for a mom. So I'm pretty used to and comfortable with talking about emotions and uh, all these things. But I know it's a lot harder to come by for other people. Uh, but I, I want to bring you guys into this. So when I talk about all of those four categories, the social awareness, social management, self-awareness, self-management, uh, are there any of those or any of the attributes I listed jump out to you as like, I know that is a sore spot for me um, that I could work on. Yeah, I think the uh, piece for me in the past maybe year, year and a half or so has been social management. Um, I think a lot of a, a lot of my life before that, um, that had been social manipulation mm. um, in my head. Um, and that, what I mean by that is I took it as, okay, I have a high EQ. I'm good at reading a room, but I'm selfish and I want what I want and I want things to happen the way I want them to happen. So I'm going to use this awareness, but I'm not going to manage my social relationship. I'm going to manipulate them. I'm going to get people to do what I want them to do, or I'm going to use words, language, actions that somehow try and coerce people to do something rather than me managing myself and managing how I pursue others. And um, it became a very, again, this puts me at the center of it because all this whole relationship centers around making me happy. Um, and so now that I'm trying to shift that perspective, it's okay, social management. So now how do I keep Christ at the center and manage everything else that comes around that so that Christ stays at the center? How do I like that? continue to pursue people, love people? Um, how do I interact in a way, again, that just manages the perimeter, the fence that is around God being at the center? Because that's my focus. It's not about manipulation. It's not about keeping me at the center. It's about keeping the center the center, and that's Jesus. Um, and so that's that's a tough thing for me. Um, I, we all are in sinful nature, but I know I'm a, I'm a self-serving person, and I want to get what I want to get out of relationships. Um, and so it takes, you know, it takes a consistent prayer, can take it, a consistent asking of the spirit to lead you in that. I pray every day for, for the spirit to give me eyes to see and ears to hear Lord, like, let me do what I need, what you need me to do for these people. Not what I want to do to manipulate the situation. Um, so yeah, social management, I think is huge. I think it's, uh, takes time to build there. And I think it often can be the most dangerous one to struggle with because it is, the most interactive with other people. So I think it's one worth spending time on how you, um, yeah, how you grow in that. 
I would say one of the aspects for self-management is probably the hardest one for me. Um, and that is the, the healthy coping mechanisms. Um, especially with the kind of the, the stress of college. Um, I've like indulged in like escapism, especially like, like watching endless videos on YouTube or um, like staying up too late at night when I felt like I didn't get to exercise enough control during the day. Um, and so these are, you know, like Isaac said, negative coping mechanisms. They're um, not helping out the problem. And in fact, they are exacerbating the problem. Like when you um, have stress or anxiety about your workload and you avoid work by watching YouTube and then you don't go to bed at night because you haven't gotten to, um, you know, indulge yourself or feel like you've had control over the day, then you don't sleep as much, then you don't get as much done. Um, so that's something that for me um, has always been a little tricky and has really, especially with like COVID-19 and the shift of everything in school, um, I felt like some of the other stuff got chopped out, like the normal social life or, you know, the ability to go exercise and play sports with people, um, those kind of things. Uh, that's one weak spot for me that's really uh, cropped up. Yeah, I think it's really worth noting that what you heard both of us just talk about was the management piece. One was self and one social. We're talking about management. So although, you know, this week of Sharpen is about self-awareness, that's not the end point. Self-awareness goes further than just awareness it becomes action as well. And so I think a lot of people will stumble there and just say, oh, I'm aware of myself. That's good enough. But then they're not taking the steps to be healthy in that. And you heard Ethan and I both just discuss like ways that we struggle with applying that and leading from that in the best and healthiest ways. And so even if you are feeling self-aware or even if you know, that's a place you're, you've always been gifted in, don't stop there. Keep moving that needle forward and start to use that in beautiful and healthy and God-honoring ways. Yeah, that's really astute uh, that you picked up on that. And I mean, even as a leader, right? So before you're able to lead other people well, you need to be able to lead yourself well. So that gets back to just um, knowing yourself is really what the point of what we're talking about today is. Uh, and then from that place, being able to know how you're going to interact with other people, how to influence other people in a healthy and authentic way. Um, that's very winsome and um, from love. Absolutely. So yeah, great stuff. Anything else you guys would add before we close out for today? I would, I would tack on to, to what we were just talking about the, uh, the idea that like you start to start applying these things. Um, I'd say knowing yourself, um, you know, it, it is a journey, but in a lot of ways for, for the management pieces, it's kind of the, the starting line. Um, and so we can, you know, talk here at the Sharpen podcast, you can go read about the Enneagram. Um, you can go listen to a, a thousand podcasts and resources and you can get all of the information. That's not going to help you out until you start applying, you know, the management pieces. Um, and so that'd be really, really my encouragement is like, understanding is kind of a, the starting line. So even if you like intellectually become an expert and you visit thousands of resources, um, the real benefit is going to come from you practicing, failing, learning, uh, and just trying again. But uh, again, just can't emphasize practice enough. So 
Isaac, actually, we talked about this scripture over the summer when we were kind of dreaming about Sharpen. Um, so we're in the book of Exodus, and Moses has been in the desert for 40 years. Um, and God comes to him and calls him and asks him to go back to his people. And Moses is super insecure, and he has all sorts of doubts and insecurities, which you can read about through uh, Exodus 3 and 4. But he asks a really great question. And he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? And the literally the next line is, and God said, I will be with you. And it's like, God, that doesn't answer my question is our first. It's like, you just, you said, I'll be with you. That's, that's a verb that doesn't, it's not the adjective that tells me. But then we stop and we realize that is the adjective of who you are. That is the adjective of who I am, who we all are. It's God saying, I will be with you. Um, and so I think before like we can even try and start scraping together the pieces of who we are and how to deal with that, like we need to remember that who God says we are is I will be with you. <laughs> um, and there is nothing more important and foundational to identity than understanding that there is nothing you could do or say or experience that's ever going to make God love you any less or any more. Um, like his love for you is its infinite amount and it is not going to change and he will always be with you. And from that, all other things come, but your identity starts in that. Um, and you get to build yourself and you get to build the way you help the kingdom around that. But that is where you start. It starts with, I will be with you. Um, so yeah, I just thought that's a really important thing to, to center ourselves on. That, that's really what it comes down to is we can talk about our own identities and all the ways to improve ourselves. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's got to be God that's that we're centering on and that's powering us. So, one last thing that I wanted to share is just a scripture. If this is on your heart, if this is heavy for you, um, and you're just you're overwhelmed with maybe where to go, um, I would encourage you to start in Psalm one thirty nine, verse twenty three and twenty four. It says, "Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting." Um. To me, this scripture gives all the power of self-awareness and growth and moderation. Um, it gives all that power to God and the Spirit. It says, Lord, would you know me? Would you test me? Would you know every part of me that's that I let be in the light and that, and that I keep in the dark? Would you know all of that? And then, God, would you lead me in the way everlasting? Um, it, it puts us in the state of submission for God to reveal ourselves to ourselves. Um, but I think that's just such a great place to start. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're not sure where to begin, earnestly pray. If you believe you want to grow, earnestly pray Psalm 139, 23, and 24, and let the Lord reveal things to you, break you over that sin and that brokenness, but then lead you out of it. Yeah, that that's a great note to end on. Uh, thank you again. This has been Ethan Worrell and Logan Lovelace on self-identity and emotional intelligence. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.